to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. On today's call, I have Bastian Groys, who is the CEO and co-founder of Circadian, which is an app that I've been toying around with, and we'll definitely uh, dive deep into that. And as you could guess by the app that he's co-founded, he's an ambassador for circadian rhythms and a natural lifestyle. So we'll be digging into a lot of topics, circadian and light related, which is nice because a lot of the experts I have on are, they have their own um, expertise, like last week with Dr. Kaufman, getting into the anti-aging and longevity adjuvants and supplements. But it's nice to have someone like Bastion on today who can speak uh, strongly to the powers and and uh, health impacts of light and the circadian rhythm. So uh, without further ado, Bastion, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And just, just uh, so the audience knows, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from New Zealand. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm starting the day for everyone, so to speak. <laughs> so Bastion, <laughs> I think you said it's nine in the morning there and where I am in Montana, it's about 3 p.m. Um, so that's the power of technology for for the betterment. But I mean, we'll we'll get into the negative ramifications, I'm sure, of of technology and blue lit screens and all that jazz. But Bastion, for the audience's purpose, give us some background and why you became so interested in light and the circadian rhythm. Along with that, what was your stepwise progression from being, I'll, I'll say, oblivious to the importance of light and circadian rhythm? Because I don't think many of us are born with with that knowledge or education. So what was the stepwise progression from really not taking that into account for your lifestyle to where you are today? Well, that could take a while, but I'll make it, I'll make it quick. Um, no, when you ask know. about the pro question, it's, it's interesting because the first thing that kind of comes to mind is when I started reading about light and circadian rhythms and just little experiments why I on purpose didn't fl- flick the light switch on anymore in my house. And just things like that, once I've done that for, for a week or a couple of weeks, A, I became aware of how automatic all that behavior was prior. And also B, that I didn't need it. And then also C, over time, that I didn't want it anymore. And then after that, it's like, oh, the artificial light is actually really aggressive and it hurts my eyes. So it's just these, these things we are, um, I guess, not paying attention to because we're so accustomed to having a certain lighting in our house and, and things like that. And it's just, yeah, it's so easy to be um, on autopilot and not, not pay attention and not notice at all what's, what's actually happening and how it's impacting us. Initially, I think my journey started out with coming across Jack Cruz and I followed him for, for a few years, like so many. And I dove into, you know, all of his, his podcasts and his blog on his website was very deep, which is actually like way above my head. <laughs> but I wanted to understand a bit like actually really what's going on. And then the next step for me is like, okay, how do I apply that to my life? So that was kind of a journey I, I was on for a few years because I really um not sure if I had adrenal fatigue. Um, not sure if that's actually a thing, <laughs> but I just was tired all the time. And I just didn't want to be that way anymore because I just was hearing myself say again and again, I'm tired and I'm tired when people ask me, how are you? Or I'm tired. And I just got sick of it, really. 
year and I set out on a journey of, of, of changing that. And along the lines, I came across Jack Cruz and Light. And something about Light really kind of struck a chord. And the the reading helped and diving into the literature helped. But I think what really kind of was a sticking point for me was actually the, the felt visceral impact on my body once I started paying attention. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me now when, when I think about that I didn't see a sunrise in, I don't know, decades, maybe maybe every other year or so. The, you know, when you when you had, had an event, I remember it was on a retreat once and we did an all-nighter where we were up and, and just practicing being present and, and meditative throughout the night. And then the light stepping out in the morning and seeing the sunrise was just so profound. But that was, you know, once in a few years. It's, 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 it seems so ridiculous to me now that I lived for, for decades without paying attention to the sun. It's like it's bizarre to me because now since, I don't know, three, four years, I see every, every morning I'm out, I'm seeing the sunrise. And to live differently seems, seems so strange now that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very odd to, I guess, yeah, step into a different way of being and living and then comparing it to how it was before. And it's just so at odds with how I want to live, how my body feels and, and how I want to go forward. So it's, it's for, for me, it's going back to the, the visceral impact that I feel in my body. And that's probably the best teacher and that we could have because that really makes a moves the needle. And, and also then wants us, makes us to kind of take the next step and do it more and dive deeper into it and, and make other healthy choices um, along the lines. So yeah, that's that's kind of a rough rough shot of how it all went for me. So it sounds like we both came from the school of, of Dr. Jack Cruz because I don't know if you know my story. I'm sure the audience is sick of hearing my story, but I kind of stumbled into red light therapy, started that in um, early 2019. And it was during my drive from Missoula, Montana to Las Vegas to go to my first conference or kind of showcasing BioLight to the public that I listened to all of the Jack Cruz podcast interviews I could get my fingers on. So I think it was a total of, I don't know, 23, 24 hours of, of driving there and back. And I think I spent 19 or 20 of them listening to Jack Cruz interviews, just one after another after another. And the cool thing about that is there's a lot of obviously repetitive messages because, I mean, he gets asked the same question from podcast to podcast. But at the same time, he has a lot of information to divulge, as you can attest to, Bastion, with all of his blogs and, and videos and whatnot. But it's hearing that information over and over again and the impact that light has for better or worse. And you hear it enough times, it's like, wow, how stupid are we kind of, you know, as a human species that we've, the pendulum has swung so far away from nature and from light to the modern lifestyle most of us live in. And I just happened upon the information. Um, it wasn't brought to my attention necessarily. And it sounds like it was the same for you, Bastion. So you know, it's great for that to happen, but it's also great to have these type of podcasts and other people speaking about the importance of light and circadian rhythm because it truly is at the root of most diseases and health maladies in today's world. And and I guess the bottom line is once you realize it and you're able to apply it like you have, Bastion, it's a simple fix. It's a relatively simple fix for a profound change. And you, you said a couple of times in your response that you had visceral changes or, or you know tangible results with watching the morning sunlight, which I started to do after listening to Jack Cruz. They did this morning. I do it at least six or seven days a week. I try not to miss any. So when you speak about visceral, what are some of those tangible 
changes in your health or, or your being that you noticed right away when you started adopting these new light and circadian hacks, so to speak? Well, I guess the best answer I could give is sometimes I say the, the sun became my best friend. So it, it, it really feels like that. It feels really like a, like a friend or an ally that's out there and that's giving me energy and light force and is soothing and is calming and is also energizing. I also need to be mindful of the energy and of the impact it can have on the negative side if I overdo it, like with everything else. And a good example, probably, I don't use the word solar callus so much. Jack Cruz uses it quite a bit, which basically is a sickening of the skin and a and the, the melanin pigment becoming stronger or more, more profilated. But what happened for me is like I have a relatively kind of type three kind of skin type, kind of Mediterranean skin. But in New Zealand, I remember when I arrived in New Zealand like 15 years ago, I maybe could be in the sun, summer, midday, half an hour, and then I would burn. So it's quite intense sunnier because the ozone layer is a bit thinner. But interestingly enough, over the last few years, I shifted that from 30 minutes to about three, four hours now. So it's a massive adaptation that happened for me around that. And all I did is just basically having mindful exposure or having more exposure in the morning and gradually adapting my skin to that. And yes, it's just an assimilation kind of that happened over time, which is really powerful. And I didn't even look at, you know, specific foods that would support me being in the sun longer. I did not know that it just really did. It was kind of smart sun exposure, the way I call it. But the, the main aspect for me is really being being exposed to natural light. It's just, a, it feels good. It feels soothing. It feels like, almost like caring in a, for lack of better word. I just feel like every, like my, my cells literally relax. Outwardly, I usually sigh and go, oh, it's so good. And just that sense of like, wellness and goodness really is probably the best word goodness and on the other hand under on the artificial light it's the complete opposite even just during the day when i walk into a store it, it really literally feels aggressive to me to my eyes at night I, I feel like someone is kind of poking me in the eye or it's it's, it's, it's really really intense so i i'm kind of have sensitized myself to that so much that i really need need blue blockers at night otherwise it just can't go anywhere it's just literally not not possible anymore yeah i'm the same way where over the years of of implementing some of these lifestyle behaviors speaking of light it can be in the middle of the day too it doesn't have to be the evening but if if it's like an office or a building like a grocery store or or otherwise that uses bright white light it is very aggressive and it just doesn't feel good. I mean, you can feel it instantaneously when you step underneath those lights. And likewise, I have not used an, al an alarm clock for years because my bedroom faces east and I make sure all the drapes are open before I go to sleep. And I live in the middle of the mountain, so it's not like I'm by streetlights or in a city. So when it gets dark, I get sleepy and then I wake up with the sunrise or, or slightly before the sunrise naturally. So I haven't used an alarm clock for years other than to make sure I don't miss a, an airplane flight. But, but otherwise, it's just a natural sleep-wake cycle, which like you were speaking about earlier, Bastian, at the beginning, I can't fathom going back to the lifestyle. And I feel for those that have to, where you're waking up at the sound of the alarm clock because you have to wake up, you have to go to work, probably under an office with all these lights and so on and so forth. And it becomes that vicious cycle you spoke of for better or for worse. When you start feeling good, you want to do the good things more and more and it's easier to do it. And, and the complete opposite when, when things aren't going right and you're feeling unwell. But regardless, 
I'll digress and I'll pass the torch to you here. Outside of the obvious candidates for deleterious effects of an, a poor circadian rhythm and the pros, I suppose, what are some of the effects of positive or negative circadian rhythm? Like, what are some of the health ramifications from that? It's an interesting one because if we actually start to appreciate that pretty much everything in the body needs to be coordinated and needs to happen at a certain time and in a certain sequence, then there isn't really much that's not impacted by circadian rhythmicity or the lack of thereof or this circadian disruption. I always remember, and I'm not a, a biochemistry nerd at all, what's the guy's name? He is the father of the biophoton research. It'll come back to me. But he said that there's about 100,000 biochemical reactions per cell per second. So that is just like, what? <laughs> a, how is that even possible? And B, how, that, how can that possibly be coordinated? Right. The only thing that's actually possible to do that physically from a timing perspective is light because light is the only thing that's kind of fast enough to do that. So that's just, just one, one thing that always stands out to me when I'm going like, holy cow, like this is, this is amazing. But even on a, on a much more simple level, we need to digest, we need to metabolize, we need to produce energy, we need to repair things, we need to clear things, we need to make enzymes, we need to fold proteins, we need to switch on and off genes. All these things need to be coordinated, and that's really what, what circadian rhythms do. And obviously, that doesn't not only need to happen in a specific cell, it needs to happen in the tissue, and it needs to be coordinated with the other tissues and the other organs in the body and the other systems. So the, the coordination of all of those things is really what circadian rhythms do. And the funny thing that most people don't really think about is the overall rhythmicity. If we don't have a rhythm, if we don't live by a rhythm, if we are, live an erratic lifestyle where we do different things at different times of the day all the time, or just simple thing of you know sleeping in on the weekends and getting up at different times, that's a massive disruption because the body just simply can't function at its best and that's really the thing that I, that I always come back to is just if there is a disruption in, in, in the rhythm, then everything is out of order and out of sync. And if you think of a complex, whether it's an Amazon warehouse <laughs> that, where there are a million things happening at the same time or whether it's an airport or whether it's like complex systems where uh, a lot of things are dependent on each other and things happen, need, need to happen in sequence. If one piece is out, there's a big problem. And that's really then the, the cascading effect that can happen and that eventually leads to inflammation and then disease down the road. So it's really that overall rhythmicity where, where I'm coming back to and light is just the main entrainer of circadian rhythms. It sets a master clock in the brain and the SCN. And then the SCN coordinates all the other clocks in the body and gives time and information and passes it on. But then we also have food which is an entrainer for our digestive clocks. And then we have activity and movement, which is an entrainer for the, for the clocks and the muscle. And these are basically the three circadian kind of cues that we kind of get and that we have kind of control over, like, like what light we get and when, when do we eat and when do we move. And these three cues are ideally aligned, meaning in the mornings, we want to get a good dose of natural light to set the master clock we want to eat at some stage after we woke up and we want to move. And then we get all the three kind of circadian cues kind of to start the day, to set the rhythm and to get us, get us going for the day. And ideally, if we have that in the same rhythm the next day and the same rhythm the next day, then the body is more and more able 
to function at its best and, and organize and coordinate everything. Yeah, I'm sure you've read uh, the circadian code by Dr. Sachin Panda. Every organ has its own clock. I mean, that's been proven with with the research. To your point, if if light's one of the main, if not the main signal for a circadian rhythm, sending your brain and your SCN and your organs the wrong light signals and everything's not operating efficiently, you're not going to feel it if you do it one or two times. But it's that repetitive behavior over weeks and months and years that leads to these different pathologies and diseases. You're completely right. I mean, for disease to kind of take effect, it takes a long time, but we actually feel it straight away. You know, if people sleep in on the weekend, we feel it, particularly then the next day when you need to get up again and it's Monday morning and you had whatever, normally you get up at eight and then you at Sunday you, you get up at 10 and then the next day you need to get up at eight again, you'll feel it like big time. And that's really interesting because uh, it takes the body way longer to adapt even to a short change in rhythm than we appreciate. Just actually wrote a, a guide on circadian rhythms and shift work. There's not a lot of good information out there, let's put it that way for what people can actually do. But there was a research paper I stumbled across where they found out that people who who did long shift work for for years and years, it took them, I think it was like five years to get back to normal kind of peak performance. There was a five-year delay after, you know, someone who did, let's say, a, a decade of shift work to get their cognitive function kind of back to a normal kind of state. And that's like massive. Night shift working is literally killing yourself slowly, but surely. That's uh, pretty impressive. It takes five years to correct that. But even just one hour of, even just one hour of, you know, let's say social jet lag or traveling across one time zone, it takes uh, the body one day to adjust at minimum. Yeah, I can attest to that. And the the thing is, like these symptoms you're talking about, you sleep in on the weekend one or two times. We associate that groggy feeling as normal, right? Like that's just going to happen. So it's just part of the process of sleeping in or crossing one or two or three time zones or more. We don't recognize it as necessarily dysfunctional to our biology. It's just the normal process of sleeping in. So I think there's that counterintuitive aspect as well. Or maybe we're just not intuitive enough to realize it or we just don't understand it. Especially when we're younger, teenagers or something, we don't care. We just want to sleep in. <laughs> right. We're more resilient back then, at least we think. Let's let's move along to some red light, Bastion, because for those who aren't watching the, the YouTube version, Bastion is bathing in the red light as we speak. So I'd love for you to speak upon that a little bit, Bastion. What, what is your story as far as beginning to utilize? Like, how did you fall into red light therapy? Was it part of the Jack Cruz phenomenon, so to speak? And then also, what health benefits have you noticed? And how do you integrate it into your wellness regimen? Yeah, I think uh, the most influential person that I've followed for years is Dr. Alexander Wunsch. Mm. He's, a, he's a German doctor who is probably the worst person on the planet with regards to light and its effects on health. He has a few amazing, many amazing videos on Vimeo and um, a couple on, on YouTube if people want to check it out. I think the one on YouTube is called Why the Sun is Necessary for Optimal Health. It's an amazing 45-minute presentation that he's giving, and it's just very comprehensive. Alexander Wunsch, correct? Yep. yep. Yes. Red light. So going back to, to natural light, and again, I had no idea about these things before, before I dove into it, but it's just so baffling that Everything we do as a species seems to be, at least, you know, in the last decades, it's just so opposite of what we should do. 
the changes in the lighting industry are just a test to that really, really, really well. So 50% of sunlight is always red and infrared, always in the morning, in the evening. And it's just the proportion of the other colors really that is changing throughout the day and throughout the seasons. So we get that baseline of red and infrared, which is obviously the regenerative and we, we kind of repair frequency that penetrates deep into the tissue. And that's really the frequency that I personally believe gives me that feeling of kind of goodness when I'm in the sun and where I'm going like, oh, yes, awesome, my back. So the sun for me is, is my prime source of, of light and energy. At times when I'm inside, then I use, I actually use a, an old school kind of from the 70s, a heat lamp that I have here to kind of mitigate the effects of the, of the filtered daylight that I'm getting inside because glass filters about, depending on what class you have, but let's just say roughly, it filters out 50% of red and infrared light. So just being inside alters the spectrum that we're exposed to quite significantly. And to mitigate that, when I have the windows closed, then I'm pretty much adding a, a red light to balance out the spectrum throughout the day. And sometimes when I'm meditating in the morning or when I have a, a little ache or pain in my body, then I use a red light device for you know 10 minutes a day to get a good dose to the, to the tissue. But other than that, I'm just, I'm just outside. <laughs> it's just where, where I'm heading. And then in, in winter, sometimes it's a bit more difficult. So in winter, obviously, okay, I, I use more, more light. And it's interesting, the effects on, on mood and, and, and how we feel overall are quite, is, they're so profound. And everyone is actually aware of it to some degree with regards to the effects on mood. We just don't relate it to the sun. But if it's dark, or even if it's let's say if even if it's just raining for for a week or so, in the location where you are, everyone feels a bit more down and groggy, and uh, nah, 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 life is not so great. And when the sun comes out, and uh, even though we might not relate it to that, we just go, oh, we feel better, and we just want to be more outside and do things, and just more upbeat and all of that. So it's just the immediate effect that everyone knows about the sun, but then no one pays attention to it, and at the same time thinks, oh, light doesn't matter. Light is just for vision. It's just such a, a disconnect that doesn't make sense because pretty much every person can attest to the different different aspects. So it's like, yeah. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the widest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. Whiten your teeth and improve the health of your oral microbiome. So so on the other side of, of light is the lack thereof, right? And that's kind of what we need for an optimal sleeping environment. So based on your knowledge and your experience, how can people set their bedroom or set their sleep environment up for success uh, to optimize, obviously, the quality of their sleep and thus their, their circadian rhythm? 
Yeah, well, the interesting part is that it actually starts when you get up because if you don't get a good dose of natural light first thing in the morning when you wake up, it goes back to the rhythm and it goes back to the hormones. You need to kind of cut off the melatonin in the morning. And in order to do that, you need to need to get a good dose of natural light. And you also need to set the, the SCN in the brain, which is why you again need natural light to do that and get the correct kind of timing information from your environment. So that's really where it starts with regards to good sleep. It's kind of, again, very counterintuitive to most people to hear that. But the, one of the best things you can do for your sleep is when you get up in the morning, get out and get at least three to five minutes of natural light into your eyes. That's where it starts. And it's, it's, it's interesting because what we do during the day sets us up for, for good sleep. And then how well we sleep sets us up for the next day. So it's, it's nothing is uh, separate from each other. And it's hard to look at things yeah, in separate buckets, so to speak. And then also at night, well, naturally, the less light, the better. The less bright it is, the better. And if you use lighting at all, ideally, it's kind of orange or, or red light. But even then, the brightness should be relatively low. Even red light, if it's bright enough, will disrupt melatonin at night. There's enough research which has shown that. In a, in a nutshell, minimize the light you're exposed to at night. Get some good blue blockers, wear them. Yeah, and when you go to bed, make sure your, your bedroom is actually like dark or put some put an eye mask on, like a blackout eye mask. Ideally, you want to eliminate light before you go to bed and during bed. Yeah, it's not just before, it's also during sleep. So if you have bright lights, you know, street lights outside or like motion sensors out, outside the house and really kind of bright light goes on, all of that stuff has, has a massive impact on our metabolism and how we function. What about other factors? So the obvious one, light, the temperature in the room, how long before you have your last meal and you go to sleep, the timing of that, because a lot of people, kind of my Achilles heel potentially is, is eating snacks or whatever too close to bedtime and how that can disrupt your circadian rhythm. So what about other things like like those? Yeah, yeah, that's a massive one. Society is just, the way our society is structured is really set up to kind of not work for us biologically. <laughs> it's just, it's very unfortunate. But because people socialize in the evening, you know, they have a they go they go out and meet friends or meet family and have a dinner and it's it's great. But it's usually it's happening like way too close to bed. Because the thing is when you eat, even if it's a little thing, your metabolism is active for four to six hours. So you really want to have a cutoff early, minimum, I would say three hours before bed, better four, where you don't want to take um, any calories in anymore at all. By the time you actually go to bed, your digestion is actually at rest. And then the funny thing is, even if you just have a little snack, or even if you would have a little, um, let's say, a cup of tea with some milk in, or whatever it might be, or a little, a little sip of alcohol, that'll kickstart your entire metabolism again. And you'll be three, busy for at least two, three, four hours trying to process that. And you also get then give your, your circadian clocks in the digestive tract, well, the information that, oh, we are active now, we, we need to function, we are, we are on like go time, versus the rest of the body tries to shut down. So that it's again, it's that, that, that disruption, that's a big problem. And then obviously, it, it disrupts, disrupts sleep, you can't repair the tissue while it's active, which is meant to happen at night. So it's, it's like there's so many spanners that we throw in the works if we, if we do that. And Unfortunately, from a social point of view, it's easier to kind of, you know, fast in the morning, 
can just get out and go to work and do your thing. But from a biological point of view, you want to actually do it the opposite. You want to have a good breakfast in the morning. You want to take your time. And then you want to fast in the evening if you want to fast. Again, it's, it's very hard for most people if, they, if they're stuck in the kind of nine to five dilemma to, to implement those things. And it requires, I guess, a lot of, well, discipline and, and priority. But over time, it's just so interesting. I just can go back to how I feel like whenever I eat later, usually I have my last meal around five o'clock. And when I eat after, I just don't feel good. I feel really like it impacts me. Like I feel sluggish. I feel, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And it's not a mental thing. It's more like a, a body sensation again. My sleep is impacted. Yeah, I just feel bloated. I feel a bit more less energized the next morning. So it's just, if you pay attention, you can you can literally kind of feel that. And I guess the more dialed in your rhythm is, the more you feel a transgression of that. Yeah. The the kicker there is it doesn't matter if it's, you know, quote unquote, healthy or unhealthy food. It's just the fact that you're ingesting something and your digestive system has to go to work instead of, you know, resting and, and doing some rest restoration work, so to speak. Yeah. And while you were talking there, that kind of just made me think of, I was never a bodybuilder, but maybe it's still a strategy today for bodybuilders. You have to take in a lot of protein because you're lifting a lot of weight and you're trying to put on a lot of muscle. And so one of the strategies is, is that you have to wake up like it midnight or one in the morning to down a protein shake and ironically while you're sleeping is one of the best times for growth and repair because your growth hormone's the highest so i don't know why i thought of that but it's just kind of one of those anecdotes or one of those strategies that kind of goes totally against the grain and while they think they're doing something positive by intaking their protein shake they're kind of doing the complete opposite by disrupting their their uh, circadian rhythm but let's move. Let's move into your. Unless you have anything to add, Bash. It's it's it's. But it's interesting, right? Because if you look at, well, I might get a lot of shit for that. <laughs> but let's say you know, because so many people they they uh, they would go like, oh, I'm just not hungry in the morning. I can't eat in the morning. I'm just not hungry. Well, that's just an indication that that your hormones are out of balance because we are designed to metabolize best in the morning. Hunger rises, ghrelin rises, leptin rises. And we're also most insulin sensitive in the morning. We get, a, I think it's like 40, 30, 40%. I don't know the, don't, don't count me on the, uh, quote me on the numbers, but I think it's something around 30, 40% where we have, we have less an insulin response or glucose response to the same meal in the morning versus evening. So this goes to show that we are meant to eat in the morning. And then also even just thinking about it logically, we need energy during the day. We are active during the day. Why do we eat a massive meal like at eight o'clock at night? It doesn't make any sense. We 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 don't need the energy. We're just going to shut down. Even if you go to bed at twelve, we, we just don't need the energy. It's going to rest and digest. We need the energy the next day. It just doesn't make any sense. But it's so funny where we often come up with excuses for our for certain behaviors, which where the behavior in itself is based on a disruption. On a similar note, with I guess night owls, I would challenge any night owl and. And I don't want to say there are no night owls. There are night owls, but it's very rare. It's a very rare genetic predisposition. Most people who think they're night owls try to be a night owl without artificial light. It's not going to work. And the, then the increase in so-called night owls, again, is just driven by the, I guess, exponential technology use and the, and the exponential rise in, in artificial lighting all over the world, where, you know, like only 30% or so of the world population can see a night sky still, like without light pollution. Like everything, and it has an impact on not just us humans, but on on all the other kind of species that are 
tried that are, that are active at night and, and is a big disruption for them. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, definitely. You know, just speaking of food intake and timing, do you, Bastion, subscribe to intermittent fasting? Yeah, I usually don't call it intermittent fasting. or go more by the circadian term of time-restricted eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a similar thing, really. Um, it's just a different term. But And the rationale for that is basically that we need time to repair. And also the, the signal that we give our bodies if we, if we eat all the time, we're basically telling our body that food is abundant and don't need to worry about things. And then basically, if we, if we eat all the time, we just tell the body to go to well, you just store the energy. And what are we storing? Well, we're storing fat. And we're never kind of pulling it out of the stores any, anymore. And also from a, from a point of view of actually recycling cells that might be dysfunctional or might not be working optimally, the body will only do that, A, if it's given a chance, but also only if, it's, if there's some scarcity or perceived scarcity. That means, well, no nutrients coming in, no energy coming in. And then if we have a long enough gap, then the body can actually go about saying, oh, okay, maybe we need to kind of dismantle a few things and utilize them in different ways and and build new cells. But that's only really happening if there's a period of scarcity. So that's where, for me, the intermittent fasting comes in, in particular, overlaying that with sleep, so that going into sleep, we're already kind of ideally in a fasted state, so that actually the clearing of gunk in the system can actually happening efficiently because that's what's meant to happen at night. And melatonin is coordinating all these activities that are happening, you know, kind of during the, the dark period or the rest period, really. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating for me that we don't look at these things from the right angle. And then also that means that shifting the eating window like early in the day rather than what's kind of popular in, in intermittent fasting circles mostly is, you know, eating like, let's say, having, having lunch, first meal at lunch and then. Having a having a dinner later. So what is what does your window look like? Well, it shifts for the sun, right? Because everything ideally should shift for the sun. But basically, my window is about eight to nine hours, and I usually I start eating once my morning routine is finished, which usually takes me around one and a half hours from the point of getting up. So I, I eat around yeah one and a half hours to two hours after after waking, and then um, usually have my last meal like eight hours later. Gotcha. So like you said, your your last meal is at five and not yeah, later. Four or five, right yeah. about, yeah. Well, there's some food for thought, people, pun intended. Timing, um, not just what you eat, but when you eat. Uh, let's move into your app, Bastion, Circadian. Give us a background on, on what it is, why you developed it, and how people can best utilize it to help improve their circadian rhythm. Uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, basically, I um, like I alluded initially, I did all the research, I read all the, I listened to the podcasts, I read the books to trying to figure out what to do myself. And then at some stage, it occurred to me, it's like, duh, if I'm doing that, there's other people who are doing this. <laughs> and I just wanted to find a way, A, of, of spreading the message and B, of helping people because the kid in rhythms and light is just still, unfortunately, such a fringe area, which is, which is so unfortunate because it's, it's probably the biggest needle with regards to lifestyle choices and lifestyle changes that people can make that don't cost a thing. That's the thing. It doesn't really matter if it's about sleep, it's about low energy, if it's about longevity, it's about better cognition, better mood. If you wanna if you want to fight depression or if you if you have headaches or if you want to have 
for pregnancy, it, it doesn't matter what it is that's going on. You can only benefit from, from these lifestyle changes. And you're much, much better off, obviously, versus than, you know, taking, spending a lot of money on supplements and doing this or that or the other, which is just a prop from the outside again, which usually has some, has some side effects. So the, the lifestyle changes, it's all under your control. And really what circadian offers is basically to set your rhythm and then live by it and tweak it over time and get reminders and alarms to, I guess, hold you accountable. And that's really what's about. It has a strong, it has a strong educational component as well, where people can dive into all the signs and a lot of curated information where all the signs kind of broken down. There's tons of links to related articles and, and videos and podcasts that speak all about that topic. So if, it's probably the best source, I would say, on circadian rhythms and, and light that's out there for the layperson. Get the why and then live it. Do the how. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's it. I guess in, in a nutshell, in, in one sentence, would be to, to, to shift from a social schedule to a biological schedule. That's really what, it, what, what circadian rhythms are and what light is to actually do things that support your biology and to live by that schedule rather than something you know, artificial that's um, not that ideal. Yeah, and like I was telling you, I think last week, Bashan, because you had me kind of tool around with it for a little bit, and it's just extremely intuitive. You can tailor it to your your health and wellness desires or or goals. Like you said, with the notifications, I think that's huge in this day day and age. We're so distracted and doing so many things that if you can have something pop up on your phone and tell you now's the time to eat, now's the time to exercise, now is the time to start preparing for bed, now's the time to turn off your screens and you know normalize your life settings, all that stuff. That's huge because you get those notifications enough times, enough days, enough weeks, enough months, all of a sudden it becomes second nature because now it's become your habit and it's all because of the app sending you notifications. And so it's tailored to your location. I mean, if people watching the video, there's like a little wheel, which is really cool because it shows you when it's light and dark. And of course that changes throughout the year. Plus, plus here in the US, we have daylight savings time. So that can change drastically depending on your location and the time of the year. So you have when it's light and dark, you have when the UVA and UVB is most intense for those you know concerned with, with skin issues or the negative ramifications of excessive UV light. So you can see what the, the positive effects of UV light. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it goes on both sides. So you know when UV is strongest, when you should be sleeping, eating or fasting, uh, best time to exercise, best time for peak cognition. So that's all just right there on that little wheel that, that's kind of fun to look at. But also like Bashan said, there's a lot of pieces of educational content too. So of course, Bastion has spoke eloquently on the benefits of the circadian, normalizing your circadian rhythm in life, but then also that app is just chock full of information too. And so you just go to the app store. We'll have a link in the show notes here so you can go check it out. It's called Circadian. Again, very intuitive, very user-friendly. No matter what uh, stage of your health and wellness journey you on, whether you're at the beginning, middle, or you feel like you're excelling, I think there's a time and place for that app, so darn near everyone could could benefit from it. That wasn't meant to be like a sales pitch, but that's just truly how I feel. And if there's anything else you want to add, Bastion, about the app, you know, please feel free if we didn't touch upon it. Well, I guess it, it depends, as you said, like where people are in their journey. But for me, I think what really moves the needle, not necessarily so much in a person's health journey, but more like in how they think about it and with regards to the the amount of ownership they take. Having a touchstone with nature and becoming aware of the of the seasonal kind of cycles and the daily cycles and the movement of the sun can be such a game changer. 
to really become just becoming aware of oh actually when is sunrise and paying some attention to that and be, and starting to pay some attention oh when it's actually solar noon when is the highest energy output of the sun when is sunset and all these things you just have some to start having a relationship with your natural environment because just that awareness will will buy and off itself make you pay more attention and then the applying of those things will make you feel differently and then as we said initially you know good habits beget all good habits over time but really i guess the, the starting point is often just strengthening or developing a relationship to the natural environment that isn't um, necessarily there for most people or in any way can be strengthened and fostered and deepened so i think that's that's really where i'm moving into with with my life and wanting to remove more and more barriers between myself and the natural world and literally live more outside i just kitted out a, a shipping container less the, the indoor space i have is, is way smaller and i want to have a big you know outdoor outdoor kitchen and just start living literally living more outside and only retreat kind of inside and kind of close the doors and windows so to speak when it's nasty yeah just being in touch being closer and being more intimate to to the natural world and to the elements that's where my personal journey is going and i just see to whatever degree people feel like inclined to to implement some of that in their life the quality of life is only going to improve yeah totally agree and i appreciate that message in the mindset that you have and I guess you kind of answered one of my closing questions to you, but maybe you can expound upon it a little more. Because at the very beginning, I spoke about you being an ambassador for circadian rhythm and a natural lifestyle. So again, you kind of spoke to that natural lifestyle, but what are some other ways or other strategies or tactics that people could tap in to live in a more natural lifestyle other than what you already just said? Again, I guess it's quite uh, what people want to look at in their own life, whether it's if 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 you're on a food journey more at this stage, then I would encourage people to first of all find out what's actually growing locally and seasonally, what's actually available in your in your environment right now, and focus on eating that and trying to build some relationships with local farmers or, or uh, farmers markets. Or I just actually left left the city half a year ago and moved to a rural area, and a friend of mine that I have here is. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to get most of my produce from him, right? Directly, my eggs, my vegetables, some of my meat. So it's just like I couldn't be luckier in that sense. But local touchstone, and I feel like going forward, generally, not just from a natural living perspective, but also as a society, we need to kind of come back to kind of local solutions and local local governance and local processes and, and local community. That means we need to have more connections. We need to kind of communicate better with each other, build stronger local resilience and, and connections. That's really where I think where the solutions are. Now. And, and that doesn't mean we need to divorce ourselves from technology. That can all be kind of part of it, but not at the expense of our awareness and our relationship to the physical world and, and each other, really. Totally agree, Bashan. Well said. Another thing... I wanted to bring up to you, especially with your mindset and, and background with light, we're getting closer and closer to this whole metaverse and this VR, AR, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality from really taking off in the masses. And I've brought this up a couple of other times in, in uh, a past podcast of people that would have a good mind for this, but just thinking about it, because we all know the blue lit technology is going to wreak havoc on our eyes and our, our circadian rhythm, especially if it's used at night. 
But with these goggles or these uh, devices that you put on your head, I mean, instead of being several feet to many feet away from, let's say, a computer screen or a TV screen, now you're going to be like an inch or two away from these screens in these goggles. And I'd be curious to see or hear what your thoughts are <laughs> on the future of mankind with that being our future. It was actually kind of a, a couple of years ago already when a third or half of the world's population is myopic, is short-sighted. It doesn't take too much of piecing it together if you look at the literature and you look at what red light does to the eyes and what blue light in itself does to the eyes in isolation, that that's driven by the you know artificial lighting and technology use. If that's carrying on, if the eyes are a gateway to the brain, <laughs> it's like, hmm, it's probably not such a good idea. So yeah, I don't know where that's headed, but I guess there, there would be ways to integrate a more balanced light spectrum into these devices and into these kind of goggles to mitigate the effect somewhat. But I guess for me, it, it, it just furthers the disconnection and the disassociation from, from the body and just plants us into a different reality. And it will be harder and harder to actually touch into what's going on here, what's needed, what's, what's required. And how this relates to other beings, living beings around me versus a, you know, virtual thing that moves across the screen. So it's like, that's probably the thing where I'm, besides the health effects, it's just more like the, the disconnection that to me is a, is, is an even kind of bigger concern. Yeah. I, I, the timing of that question couldn't have been worse or better. However you look at it after your explanation on a natural lifestyle. And then I bring in the metaverse in. <laughs> complete association from reality um but no yeah totally agree uh with both of your points but bastion here we're gonna wrap up and i would love for you to tell people where they could go to learn more about you and more from you uh in the future the best bet is probably just the website which is circadian.life l-i-f-e or just download the app that's the best bet um we'll we'll have big plans for the app kind of going forward. And I would love to hear from people who are using the app what they want, want to see because we could take the app in so many kind of different directions. And one thing that, and maybe I just mentioned that right, right here, right now, one thing that I care about and feel like the users could benefit a lot from is if we're actually giving people the capacity to connect more locally and connect with each other and possibly connect to local practitioners to connect to kind of local farmers or farmers markets and food producers. But, but also just seeing that, you know, oh, there's a three or four other users, you know, in my area that are into this stuff that I'm into and maybe people want to connect. So it's just something where, where I feel like that would be really like super cool and super helpful for people to actually connect in real life rather than always a screen. As great as it is, but you know, it's it can't be just hanging out with people and going for a walk together or whatnot. If you have some uh, feedback on that, on that idea, or if if people are using the app, just can give us some feedback in general of what they would want to see if something like that would be like, yeah, thumbs up, or yeah, maybe, maybe not. It's just helpful. The better, the more impact, uh, the more input we get from you guys, the more we can actually develop something that's really valuable. Totally. Uh, where would people go like if they did want to give you some feedback? Just send an email or send a message through the app. So okay. support at circadian.life is, is the email, or you can also send a message directly through the app. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I appreciate that, Bastion. And and I do highly recommend everyone at least go tool around on the app a little bit, see what your thoughts are. I would hazard a guess that you'll enjoy it. The ease of use, that the user interface is beautiful. It's fun to play with, and I think you'll learn a lot more than you already did from this this podcast episode from from Bastion. So I want to thank you again for your time and your your knowledge and expertise, Bastion. You have a good morning over there in New Zealand. I'll have a good evening here in Montana. And uh, everyone else that's listening, have a fantastic rest of your week. This is Bastion Groys and Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off of the Red Light Report. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.